Blog Talk Radio. Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the People's Medicine Show. I'm the host, Sean. I'm, uh, like I said, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm an amateur herbalist, and I pre-recorded much of the show tonight and a couple hours ago. I rambled on for about 40 minutes, and I said pretty much all the things I wanted to say, but there were a few things that I forgot to say, so I was like, oh, I'll open the show with the things I forgot to say on the pre-recorded segment. So the pre-recorded segment will have um, a lot of my introductions and uh, contact info, so I, I have to get out of that habit of always rattling that off, because um, most of the time people have um, the information if they click the link on the Vlog Talk Radio page. So one of the things that I didn't um, go into deeply enough was um, the topic I picked, one of the topics I picked tonight was developing ambidexterity. And that means working with your right and left side in equal amounts so you don't stress one side out. And at first, it seems so difficult to use my left side because I'm doing this heavy work of uh, hand-moving rocks on my property. But I have to always keep in mind that when we work with our left and right side in an equal fashion, that parts of our brains also develop. So it is a long-term health strategy to want to work with my left side because my right side has been worked so hard that I'm ready to start using this left side. It's uh, unused. And I'm looking forward to uh, finishing this rock moving, and it's, it's probably going to take many years to finish. So that is one of my strategies that I'm embarking upon, is learning to use my left side to um, do a lot of the manual labor that I'm doing. And the other things that I wanted to talk about was um, I'm now living in an off-the-grid rental property, and it has a, a full solar setup it could run full power AC. It has a washer and a dryer. Uh, that The dryer is run with propane tanks. And the cooking and the hot water is also um, supplied with propane. So there's so many different things about living off-grid. I understand now why people do not choose to live off-grid. Because I'm juggling the battery levels, whether I'm uh, discharging my solar batteries too quickly. I'm also um, keeping uh, full gasoline cans to charge my batteries just in case they do suddenly run out. And since this is a rental property, I didn't buy these batteries. I don't know the order that they were replaced. I'm really um, in a quandary right now because I'm learning all these different skills on how to keep track of a solar electrical system. So as far as developing my mind, I think I have plenty to work with right now, just learning how to um, operate uh, solar electricity. And a lot of it I just have to, um, you know, throw my hands up in the air and, okay, I'll have to buy more gasoline for the generator because I didn't know the batteries were going to run out that quickly. So I did want to just stress that I, I – um, did have apprehension about ever wanting to live, what, quote, off-grid. And now that I'm actually doing it, it's not off-grid. I have propane tanks and gasoline generators. And I want to run um, a small chest freezer so I can keep uh, herbs uh, in a usable state for things that I want to do with herbs. And um, so I'm um, investigating buying my own lithium power bank and learning how to keep that charged. And I think the newer technology is rated at very high efficiency rates. They have uh, solar panels now that are over 20% efficiency rates. And so I'm doing a lot of research about um, installing 385 watt panels to uh, charge a small lithium uh, power bank to run a chest freezer 24 hours a day. And chest freezers are very, very efficient. I, it, it's wild because I think um, if I remove this full-size refrigerator and just use a chest freezer and a small, small refrigerator, I would be in much better shape with um, being afraid that a cloudy day is going to um, make my electricity turn off. 
so th- those are some of my adventures I'm having. And, um, and I, I always mention a new podcast that I'm listening to. And I listen to some of the new episodes of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, Revisionist History. And he has one um, that features his belief or um, practice of nihilism. And it, I thought it was so wonderful. And, um, yeah, I think um, it was good Good night. It was, he, it's, a, it's a wonderful series, though, Revisionist History, and he does them in episodes. And I'm trying to, get, to remember now because he has one that's about the Korean War and the use and history of napalm. But uh, So perhaps that's the same episode where he talks about nihilism and just, you know, throwing your hands up in the air and saying with as much humility in your heart, I don't know what to do right now. So I will do nothing. And, um, and settling back into that. And I think that is one of the survival skills that we're learning in these times of plague and uh, pestilence. (laughs) So I guess I'm going to get ready to uh, uh, play the pre-recorded segment. And yeah, so I talked about how living off the grid is a big pain in the ass. And I wouldn't really suggest it to anyone because it's really not living off the grid. Uh, If I could just run cable from the street and use um, one form of power, that's so much easier than propane tanks and gasoline cans and lithium um, batteries. So I've been um, talking to a few uh, really pretty good uh, solar suppliers and you can get really good deals if you shop around. So of course I've um, talked to people on the mainland of the United States who uh, import things and they, they offer really good warranties on uh, batteries. I guess they, they can nowadays, but in the event that I needed to return a lithium battery, it would entail me paying my own paying these shipping and also taking it down to the port of Hilo and, and putting it on a boat because there's restrictions on transporting lithium batteries, especially large ones. So it's one of the risks that people take. And I think that's one of the things people probably have a column of um, why, why they're not, you know, switching over to solar and more um, sustainable ways. There, there, there is, um, levels of complexity and learning and like mind expansion to be able to pull this all into my um, lifestyle. But I'm sure, you know, you talk to me a year from now after I've been using the lithium batteries and know um, the ins and outs of things. Um, What's really funny though about charging batteries is sometimes they just discharge at a really quick rate. And um, I could talk to the smartest electrical engineer and they're, they really can't put their finger on it, especially the old-fashioned um, lead-acid batteries, I think, that this house uses that you have to add water to. So there's all these different variables. And I, I'm sure maybe if you used uh, double insulation and you um, really insulated the temperature that the batteries are kept in, uh, that may um, improve predictability, <laughs> you know, where you're at if you really are uh, cutting it very close to the bone because um yeah it is wonderful to have a full-size regular refrigerator because a lot of people have these crappy propane refrigerators and they never actually get the food cold enough so i would totally recommend but perhaps i have not used um a good modern propane refrigerator but every time i've ever seen them they stink and um Yeah, so that's something that I don't want to ever investigate is the propane appliances. But perhaps some new technology will make these things better and more easy to use. So I am um, enjoying my chickens. And uh, you you may have heard them crowing in the background. So I'm going to begin the pre-recorded segment. And I take a break about 12 minutes in, so maybe I'll come back on and I'll pause the recording and take some calls. We do have a call in. It's um, 
929-2463. I'll be back in probably 12 minutes if you want to call in or interrupt the recording. Let's do it, you know, and we'll, we'll make this as free flow as possible. Hey, welcome to the People's Medicine Show. My name is Sean. I'm an amateur herbalist, amateur gardener, um, but someone who is very passionate about the plants, the animals, uh, the energet, the energy around us. So, um, yeah, this is on uh, Susan Weed's Blog Talk Radio uh, podcast feed, and I'm looking forward to um, hearing from people. You can um, interact with me by email. Um, my um, email address is peoplesmedicineshow at gmail.com. And you can also um, contact me through Facebook. My name is Sean, S-E-A-N, Mernin, M-U-R-N-I-N. All right, so let's get on with the show. Um, this is the People's Medicine Show. I'm um, living in the, on the Big Island. I've been here since uh, 2017, so coming up on three years. And I been dreaming of living in Hawaii since I was 19 years old and I'm in my early 50s now and I've been here for a few years and perhaps uh, if the volcano doesn't chase me away I'll be here forever and uh, the restrictions on ch on travel this week or this year are uh, really planted me here and really has allowed me to uh, grow some some deep roots in in this beautiful rocky uh, nutritious, rich soil. And um, yeah, so I've um, been working on a, an acre of land and they call it a spaghetti lot. And it's um, a little less than an acre, but it's only about 800 feet wide or 80 feet wide. And it goes back about 600 feet. So it's a really long, skinny piece of land. And um, in 20, uh, oh, wow, I'm messing up with my years. It was just last year, 2019, I had a bulldozer oh, man come through and um, cut me a path right through this spaghetti lot, and it goes all the way to the back of the lot. So so it's been about uh, 16 months, perhaps, yeah, about 16 months, and I've been just moving all the rocks that were cleared with the bulldozer. It's a long, painful process, and I've hired people, but it's really expensive to um, hire people to move your rocks for you. And um, but I do have a beautiful gated uh, entrance that I'm finishing right now. So I've been um, on the Twitch streaming platform, and I have a, a handle there, and it's Smiley X Gen G E N Smiley X Gen. So I've been um trying to break the tedium of moving the rocks by doing a twitch stream and you know just putting it out there and perhaps de developing a little bit of regularity of how I attack this outdoor project which may go on for many years I don't know but it's a lot of fun and it feels like it's a slow patient way to um, really build my own home someday and have a homestead that uh, I've uh, seen other people build themselves and the ones that are the most attractive to me seem to, I asked the person and they're like, yeah, I've been working on it for 20 or 30 years. So I guess that's what I really want. I want something that I want to build over a really long period of time. But the, I've never done this before or never been around anybody who's just like cut a piece of bare earth and built a house. So it's really just, you know, I have no instruction book, no manual. And I just ask questions and, um, seek answers from the universe on what to do and how to do it and the priorities and what's important. So I'm working on getting my entrance gate um, put in. So I have um, most of the cement or uh, concrete for the posts that are going to hold the gate. I have that purchased and uh, stockpiled in a dry place. And it's kind of funny, there's some wet cement that was left over from when they built the entrance wall. And um, that got wet, so that's going to be part of the anchor for my, uh, my gated entrance. That's my main project that I've been working on. I haven't been driving Uber or Lyft. And I've been uh, working a lot less on the regenerative farm, which is about um, 20 minutes away from me down closer to the coast. So I've been up at this new rental property 
that I'm living in, and I think I'm about 500 feet lower than the property that I'm actually working on and building on. But um, it, it gets really cold here, and I really have to get my firewood game going, you know, because I do not have firewood skills, and I have to just learn to, that's just another skill that I want to acquire, you know, the rhythm of gathering wood, uh, stacking it, drying it, you know, and uh, it's it's always a pleasure when you have a fire and there it's good wood and you're not struggling or, you know, with smoke and wet wood or any of that. So that is one of my projects that I've um, started this month. Yeah, I'm going to figure out firewood because it does get chilly and damp here and there's nothing that beats a fire. And uh, perhaps that's going to be definitely um, something I want to integrate into my home up uh, 500 feet higher in elevation is um, to have some kind of um, fireplace, fire stove. I'm, you know, I'm still investigating all the possibilities. So this month, uh, as far as herbs are concerned and herbal medicine, I've not really encountered anything new except one plant. And you would say it's not new, but it's new to me because it entered my life. And just so I was um, down at the local um, mini uh, strip mall, and um, there was a, 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 a flea market stand right in the middle of the parking lot with people with masks on. And I was, I was like, what's going on here? This, this is not where they normally have a flea market. And it was a local, um, I believe it was a women's group. And they were um, distributing the um, uh, starts of this lovely aromatic uh, lavender plant. And I'm still not sure, I've not seen this lavender plant flower, but they had starts and I said, can I have one? They were like, yeah, we, we sell them for $5. And I was like, sure, I'd love to support your club. And I didn't get their information or anything, but. I'm sure they probably will use that spot again and I'll meet them again in the future. So lavender is my plant this month that's just entered my life and I've been um you know breathing with it and living with lavender and um yeah it's it's so cool how I don't want to rush in and learn learn too many plants all at once. I think I've gone through that phase where I want to buy all these herbal books and get this encyclopedic knowledge of all the plants it's more like these plants are coming into my life one at a time and i'm sure that's the way it is for everyone that they uh, just find one plant at a time and just allow themselves to be captivated by it and i don't know if the word captivates the right word uh, drawn into <laughs> i don't know what the right word would be but lavender is my plant this month and uh, the other thing that's really a lot of fun is I've been growing this high CBD variety of hemp. And supposedly, uh, it will test uh, according to, like, USDA definition of what hemp is. And it would contain less than 0.3% of THC. So I, I think I have three varieties of this hemp, and it's very sticky. And it looks like normal marijuana or cannabis. Um, and most botanists will tell you, you know, cannabis is cannabis. And it's not really, there really is no, you know, um, botanical differentiation between hemp, cannabis, marijuana. Even the strains that they call indica and sativa, most botanists are like, yeah, there's really not much um, structural difference to really make that kind of distinction in, the, in a botanical reference. I always find that fascinating that the... Um, the cannabis family only has two plants, cannabis and hops. And yeah, it's kind of an unusual uh, plant family. And I'm really drawn to both cannabis and hops. I, I have went through a period a few years ago where I loved making hops tincture. And I would go to the beer brewing stores and try all their different hops. And I would tincture them in 100 proof vodka. And I think um, hops is one of those things I, I went in and out of really quickly. And, um, yeah, but it's kind of fun that every now and then I look through my tinctures and I see the hops and I dip my finger in and and just, you know, get get a little bit of hops, you know, off my finger. It's a beautiful plant that preserves really nice in 100-proof vodka. And I'm not sure if it needs to be um, 
uh, completely fresh because, it, like I said, I've used the dried hops that I bought at beer brewing stores and gotten really pretty high-quality medicine from it. And I'm sure the, the beer brewing world are a bunch of herbalists. <laughs> and it's funny that I say herbalist um, because um, I have some friends in Australia and New Zealand now. <laughs> <laughs> and when they say herbalist, you know, it's about like, okay, I guess I'm going to be saying herbalist now. And it is kind of fun how your friends really determine your language. And I've always, you know, loved putting out that brutal, like, violent type of, um, I don't know what you'd call it, a threatening thing. And now I'm starting to understand that, yeah, that was one of my protection mechanisms, my defense mechanisms that I would put out, like I'm a tough guy and I like to roll with the tough people. And now when I say really violent, brutal things, people are like, ah! and um, I'm trying to think of an example. And um, yeah, perhaps I just, the way I'm calling lazy lately, and I guess Hawaiians have been cursed and been called lazy as a curse word. And as an older man, I look at laziness as a, as a virtue, that you are protecting your body from overwork, and you're not, like, going to work yourself into an early grave. And uh, seeking the path of less, you know, less action seems to be a strategy that I want to develop. So I have to come up with another word than lazy because... I, I throw it around a lot, and I'll compliment people by going, look at that lazy way to do it. And it's like, it's not looked at, you know. So it is kind of fun, though. That's one of the things I've been learning about, my own language and the way I project myself to others. And, um, yeah, perhaps they will um, interpret it as, um, yeah, violent and aggressive, where I'm just putting it out like, you know, in a in as passionate and authentic way as possible. And there is a beautiful orange bird outside that I am not f familiar with. I almost want to stop this recording and, and see if I could photograph it. So perhaps, um, yeah, let's see. it's a two-hour show. You can wait a minute or two. And I don't think I'm going to do any post-editing. So we'll just have a long break. And I need to stop talking anyway. I've been talking for over 10 minutes. So... I'm going to take a break, and I'll be back in a few. Okay, so um, this is me in real time. Uh, uh, we're taking a little break while the recording um, keeps playing, so I will be back. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to um, hold the space and uh, invite you to call in, because I'll stop anytime if you want to just chat about lavender or uh, some of the things I've already spoken about. So that number is 646-929-2463. Yeah, come on, come on on the line with me. If I'm saying things that um, don't don't uh, rock with you <laughs> or you want me to further explain something, that's how you do it because I don't know uh, what more information I could really offer. But these are things that it, I really have to get them out. And I, I love doing the monthly show because there's always things that I need to – yeah, let me put that out there. And um, if you do have any experience with buying solar panels, I would love some uh, help. And, um, yeah, or purchasing, um, you know, off-grid uh, electricity equipment. But, yeah, those – I'm going to get a little silence and uh, let the pre-recording start back up. Okay, so I'm back, and yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do post, but perhaps when I play this uh, recording, when we go live in a few hours, I'll just uh, talk during that little lull, uh, so you'll have nonstop of me yammering. And uh, so, yeah, I've been on, so I was on the cannabis hemp thing where, yeah, there's just a perpetual harvest now of just cannabis flowers, and now there's brand new cannabis that's um, sprouting up. And um, I ordered a bunch of uh, auto flower strains from Holland, and they were kind of expensive. I think they were 5 or $6 a seed. And I just wanted to try to see what the auto flower was all about. And I've just, I think you do need an artificial lighting, and you need um, 
to plant your autoflower seeds in a large pot. They're not really uh, set up to do any kind of transplanting. They just grow, and they grow very quickly. So I think perhaps if I ever try autoflowering cannabis uh, varieties again, I will use an artificial light and just keep it under 24 hours of light because it, it automatically will trigger flowering from chronological age, not even from any light uh, deprivation. Where uh, normal photo period uh, cannabis varieties respond to as soon as it, it gets 12 or 13 hours of darkness, you're going to get a, a flower development and ripening. So um, that's a lot of things that people, you know, when they ask me, how do I grow pot? I say, yeah, you really have to learn about your dark periods because, you know, you'll grow a seed, it'll grow up for four or five weeks, and then um, to get it to flower, you really got to get it into some total darkness for, you know, nice long periods. And there are probably um, types of cannabis that only need maybe nine or ten hours of darkness, but it does need to be uninterrupted, and shining lights or turning lights on can really, really mess it up and confuse it. And it will actually cause um, a female to start sprouting um, male, fla male um, flowers to pollinate it. I don't know if it's called male flowers that pollinate male pollen sacs. <laughs> so female plants that have their um, dark cycles interrupted can turn into hermaphrodites where they'll get big pollen balls and start squirting pollen all over. So... It is kind of funny, though. I had an accidental pollen spill last year, and it was a lemon hash plant from the Bodhi collection of seeds, and he's a really cool hippie guy that traveled around Asia and collected a lot of beautiful um, plants. And he, um, I think this lemon hash plant that caused seeds all over my house, uh, all over my garden last year, uh, was a descendant of a, hmm, it was an Ohio thing, like a, a lemon type of um, OG type of thing from that was famous in Ohio. So it is kind of funny that here I am in Hawaii, um, you know, growing seeds that are descendants of plants that were nurtured and developed in Ohio. <laughs> and that goes the same for with all these um, hemp varieties that I was sent. Um, so I am enjoying um, the whole perpetual harvest and the other perpetual harvest is I have chickens at this new house and they come visit me every day and I I bought chicken feed so I'll throw a cup of chicken feed out there and go visit them once or twice a day and um, they kind of trust me and then when I pull out my iPhone to take a picture they freak out and get skittish and run and I've yet to be able to get really gorgeous pictures, especially of the the brood of hatchlings that has um, jumped up at, um, overnight. And they're about three three days old since I've been seeing them. And I would love to get a real close-up macro shot of the cluster of uh, hatchlings because it's really a lot of fun. They're so cute. And um, the other wild birds that come through my yard are these Sri Lankan pheasants. And I don't really know the um, the right word. I think they're they're just a, a feral type of bird, land bird from Sri Lanka, and I think they're very good eating. So um, yeah, we have a little bit of food security here in Hawaii. If we're ever cut off in the mainland, perhaps we could um, eat pheasants and pigs, and um, perhaps we would have enough calories here to um, you know transition into a, a real local economy. There's a lot of um, political movements, local political movements here that are really, yeah, let's do that. And I think that these type of economies are all over the place. And I, a few years ago, I think they were called transition communities. So, yeah, they're looking for, you know, doing your own gardening, your own crop raising, animal raising, keeping it all local, doing your own, you know, um, What's that word? Um, Value-added processing, you know, um, preserving. Um, yeah, that would be cool, though, if, the, if we went back to having local canneries where we bring all our extra food and they bottle it up for us and then we bring the empty bottles back. That would be kind of cool. I don't know. <laughs> and 
it's so funny now with automation, they're probably going to have an automated bottling system where, you know, several people can just chip in for their own bottling factory. And um, But it is interesting that the technology that's coming out with self-driving cars where 10 or 20 people can share the same car if it's self-driving because there would be an algorithm and the car would only, the car would probably be in use, you know, every minute of the day, but it would probably jump back and forth between people depending on the algorithm. So I'm always fascinated with that type of data that um, the companies like Uber and Lyft are, are accumulating right now to develop a, a, a self-driving cars that don't need to be owned, that they could be community property, and um, especially taking care of a car is often too much for one person. You know, the, main, the maintenance of these vehicles and machines and, you know, local canneries, uh, one person can't really do all this work. So it, it does... It does uh, entail that we gather ourselves in groups and form cooperative power with one another. So, yeah, those are the things that I'm going on, though. And, yeah, so uh, another uh, topic that I really wanted to hit tonight was um, developing and uh, nourishing and nurturing ambidextry, ambidexterity. And ambidexterity would be able to is using your right and left side uh, with equal um, with equal amounts of energy. So I've always favored my right side, and um, it's funny because I um, just burst out with a bunch of aches and pains this month. First, I bruised an elbow, and I'm not sure if my, if I had a bruised elbow last month when I did this show. But when you bruise a bone, it's often more more hurtful than when you break a bone <laughs> and it just goes on and on and on and um i think this is the only second time in my life that i've ever bruised a bone and i bruised my ribs back in the late 90s on a trip to new orleans and there was alcohol involved and came home with bruised ribs and um that is a nightmare because it, it every time you take a deep breath it's like ah, it's a it's a stabbing pain and it goes on for four or five, six weeks, and it just doesn't seem to let up. It's a really obnoxious type of pain. So I've had that again with this elbow injury, and I found these wonderful, um, it's funny, I injured my elbow about five years ago, and I looked at my Amazon order history, and these elbow pads that I bought were about five years ago, and I think it was in the month of August that I injured my elbow, because that's when I ordered these elbow pads. Um, so yeah, it is kind of funny though in this world where we have online ordering where we could just, you know, just search and find, oh, I bought it on that date <laughs> in that year, but I had these wonder, and I think the brand name was called Bird and Cronin and so comfortable. I hate any kind of like jewelry and, um, yeah, so I've been wearing elbow pads. I've been, I've gotten back to using an activity tracker and, one of my friends and listeners is using the same tracker and we're sort of doing an accountability with one another. And these accountability groups are really good. I did one last last month uh, with one of the Twitch com communities I'm involved with. And um, it, it's a lot of fun. You, you pick something you want to do for 30 days and you, perhaps you could develop yourself into doing it effortlessly. When you do it every day for the same amount of time, uh, it just, you know, a lot of times we can just lock into it. But it was funny because most of the people that chose to exercise every day for 30 days, as soon as the thing was over, it kind of gives you a break. You're like, oh, I had 30 days straight of exercise. I'm ready to stop. So I think... Um, we stopped the last one two weeks ago, and we, we're starting a new one. So I'm about three days into doing another one of these 30-day challenges, and I chose to set a timer for five minutes and to, to write in my journal every single day. And I write in a journal very consistently, but not every single day. So it is interesting that, um, I don't know if that word is right, interesting, uh, enlightening, uh, educational to find that I do not like doing a lot of things every single day.
and that goes for the same with um but it is funny that I like uh vaping nicotine and I like drinking coffee every single day, but that developed I guess, you know, from me doing it every day for thirty days. So it is funny that I can only cite uh harmful things that I like to do. But I'm sure we all, you know, most of us make our bed and do our dishes and uh clean our cars um every single day. But a lot of people don't, and they they have a nice little rhythm where they only have to do it, you know, once or twice a week, or once or twice a month, or once or twice a year. And um, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Um, I was looking at this uh, organization thing, and they they brought this example of going through your mail every day, and I was like, that sounds like such a nightmare to have to go through my mail every single day. But I, I remember this time, I think it was maybe 15 years ago, where I didn't look at my mail for a year, and I just threw it into a contractor bag and, and collected it. And I think it took me um, a few days of just waking up in the morning and going through my mail, and it, and I, I did it in about, you know, two. I don't know if it took two or three days, but I remember just... It just being an all day and I into the next day project of going through that contractor bag and deciding what's what is there a check in that envelope and there were a couple checks but not many <laughs> and um I'm not even sure if there were if there were checks that expired but I think it was a whole year that I didn't look at my mail but I really love having that uh, system where you only look at your mail maybe maybe once or twice a month, and you go through, you pay things, you, you send out your replies, you ship your work, and the the mail system is, um, you know, I don't know how often do we need to use mail, and do, do we have to receive mail, you know, like even the personal letters that I get nowadays, there's so few that I could open them all once a month and be okay, and, I, and in this world where if you really need me, you can call me on a telephone immediately. Um, yeah, printed mail is more of just something, it's special. So I think um, using, um, yeah, physical mail systems in a real, like, minimalist type of way uh, not only makes it easier to stay organized, it just, um, it feels right to me. So that's one of the concepts that I've been um, exploring about how often do I need to go through my mail? And it was funny because I was triggered by this suggestion of going through the mail every day. And I'm like, oh, please. You know? <laughs> but ambidexterity. So um, working on this uh, outdoor project where I'm moving rocks, uh, I injured my lower back uh, by picking up a wheelbarrow that I just did not gauge the right um, weight of it because I was used to you um, picking up a wheelbarrow that was just full of rocks and there was this one time where I was using a shovel and I was also picking up dirt so the wheelbarrow was not only filled with rocks but it also had dirt so when I picked it up it was a completely different weight and yeah it gave me a squish in the bottom of my back and uh, I don't know, I may have to get one of those teeter inversion things and hang for the next few few times because it's been slow going. And I had to, there was a large foam mattress topper that came with this apartment. And I had to get rid of it because I, I kept re-injuring my back because I would smush into this mattress topper so deep. And um, it would actually re-injure my back while I was sleeping. So... That is one of the struggles. And then I had my teeth cleaned this past week. And I don't know what happened, but a big sore broke out on my tongue after my tooth cleaning. So I don't know. I think it may be an allergic reaction to that polish that they use. Um, I've never liked any kind of chemicals in my mouth, but I do enjoy when um, a hygienist gets in there and uh, removes things that I can't. And, um, yeah, that's... So, yeah, I guess I'll end the show with my thoughts about COVID-19 and what, what we know and what we don't know and what we don't know that we don't know. 
don't mean to become Donald Rumsfeld and uh, cute about it. But, um, yeah, uh, wow. So, yeah, I guess I'm going to hit COVID. So they're finding out that um, the uh, a lot of the American testing facilities have no standards. So they spin these samples that test people for COVID at different rates. And I think the numbers they were throwing out that some some spin it for 25 times and they get this many uh, positive uh, cases. And then other people spin it for 30 times, 35 times, 40, 45 times. So I think I'm not a testing expert, but there is a lack of standards with determining what is a COVID-19 quote case. And then the other really cool thing, I think I was reading about it in Scientific American, and they're trying to determine like what's up with the people who have no trouble with COVID and who appear not to get sick by it. And what do they have that the rest of us do not have? And that's a, that's a cool question to ask. And I, Believe, I wish I had the article handy. I guess I'm just not really doing my show prep this, this, this month, but I am feeling really relaxed, and I think I'm getting everything off my chest and out into the universe that I need to. So, um, yeah, so the people who appear not to have trouble with COVID or just seem to brush it off in a few days uh, appear not to have an individual antibody. But they seem to have a whole system going. They have T cells and B cells. So it is, again, like the way herbalists approach immunity is you want to build your immunity over a long period of time. You want to have vitamin D and you want to um, have a lot of immunity enhancing things. And it's really amazing, too, with um, the whole thing with the can cannabinoid system and how, you know, when you're using CBD or even... Um, herbs like echinacea where the cannabinoid system gets really stimulated in a really cool positive way where there I believe there's pretty low occurrence amongst uh, heavy cannabis users um, and it's funny too how uh, when everyone had to stay home and they were afraid of um, catching COVID that there has been a, a, a large movement of people who are exploring edibles and so, yeah, I don't know too many people who are, but I'm just reading things saying, yeah, the people who sell edibles report that they're selling a lot more edibles this year. And it's become more of a, like a market share of what legal or medical uh, cannabis uh, has been, you know, providing for people. But, um, yeah, it's also really cool, too, that I was looking at one of the top... Um, cannabis extractors in Northern California, one of the more respected ones who work with the family farmers up there, and how they're just using a straight-up oil extraction, and they're not really doing these fancy distillations and things anymore. And yeah, they, um, herbalism is people's medicine. It's a simple, simple thing that, you know, you get yourself a bag of cannabis, you get some oil, and you get a crock pot. Or if you want to get fancy, you can get something a little bit more temperature controlled, like a magic butter machine or um, an Instant Pot, you know. I have an Instant Pot Ultra, which I can make yogurt with. And I can make all these cool yogurts because I can control the temperature of the water bath down to like the degree. So I've been using it for about a year now to make this one El Ruteri strain of yogurt. It's so thick and so rich and beautiful, and I use a uh, half and half to make that type of yogurt. So that appears to be everything I want to talk about on the People's Medicine Show this this month. I'm enjoying my new apartment. I'm getting a little bit better with uh, figuring out the um, uh, electrical off-grid way of living. And, um, yeah, it was funny because last month I didn't even know how to get internet, and I had to install sort of a, a signal booster type of thing to even be able to get, uh, you know, proper data signal where I live now. So I really do feel so off the grid where, yeah, even cell phone EMFs can't get me where I am right now. It's really, really 
an enclave of um, peace and serenity. And I'm um, hoping everybody out there has a, a great time. Uh, please interact with me. I'm going to be Twitch streaming this month, so um, you can follow me on Twitch, SmileyXGen. So uh, S-M-I-L-E-Y-X-G-E-N. SmileyXGen is my handle there. And I think when you want to um, start a Twitch account, you should um, name yourself something that would be easily recognized by one of these voice control devices like uh, the Echo or um, you know the Google Home or something. Because people often when they're playing their radio streams now, they'll say, Alexa, play Ask Herbal Expert Susan Weed. Here's Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed from Apple Podcasts. Playing the latest episode, Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed and guest, Lauren Cooper. Yeah, so that's how I listen to Love my... Talk Radio. Alexa, stop playing. Yeah, so that's how you. I've been playing all uh, my radio streams, my Twitch streams that I like to listen to. I have, um, I have the thing all set up. And uh, I hate to do advertisements for uh, Jeff Bezos, but um, this device that he has, it's a, like a 3D speaker now, and they've advanced it to a point where, wow, you're getting what was like, you know, thousands of dollars of high fidelity in a, you know, pretty inexpensive, um, you know, single unit that just uh, connects to your telephone and you could talk to <laughs> So that's uh, how I've been listening to my podcasts and streams lately. And, um, yeah, I'm still really happy listening to the um, the Useful Idiots podcast. And I haven't, um, yeah, oh, I've been really enjoying the Brett Easton Ellis podcast. And that is like a subscription-only thing. I think you got to give him $2 to hear it. But he does these long things, and he... He, he did a recent one where he dissected the career of Tom Cruise. And he not only dissected his career, he kind of dissected his charisma. And um, just um, talked to another film director friend of his during the uh, podcast. And they talked about their interactions with him and what Tom Cruise is. And I found it fascinating that... Um, the one director who was at Tom Cruise's house, his address was one. And uh, I heard years ago that um, from a, numer a famous numerologist that um, the actor Tom Cruise has straight ones throughout his, <laughs> his, his numbers, his quote numbers. And it is fascinating that some people seem to be born with um, a type of certain something. And, um, yeah, it's really cool to recognize. And those are the things I've been into lately. So I think I'm going to end the show early this month. I've uh, talked about chickens and cannabis and developing ambidexterity and my rock scooping. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing some more rock scooping and doing it live because I am so bored by it, doing it by myself. So I'm going to do it live on a on a video stream, and perhaps the people who are into that EMDR or whatever it's called, that EMR, maybe they maybe they like the sound of uh, someone throwing rocks into uh, a wheelbarrow. <laughs> it, they'll find it soothing. So um, yeah, that's the show I think this month. I've been um subscribing to um music streaming services. And I just picked up uh, the Amazon HD, and it's just about up for the trial subscription. So now I signed up for another one called Spotify. And Spotify is really cool because your friends in social media can actually connect to your Spotify account and find out what you've been listening to throughout the day. So, yeah, that would be cool if you want to... Um, Hook up with me on Discord. Uh, give me, drop me an email address, or get a hold of me on Facebook, and you can um, see see what I'm listening to on uh, Spotify. 
And I'm going to, yeah, so I'm going to switch over to Spotify for a while and see if I can integrate my music listening with my uh, podcast habit. And it is kind of funny that I, you know, I've become a podcaster myself. But um, I think, um, yeah, the reason I am a podcaster is I think I know what I like. And I was like, yeah, I can put a podcast out and put out the podcast that I want to do. So, yep, I've been closing down this episode for a few minutes. And, yeah, I really don't have any music this month or anything like that. So um, perhaps next month I'll have a lot more show prep going on and I'll be a little bit less occupied by other things and I can um, put more of an intention to um, develop this this show into something a little bit more um, professional or polished or snap, crackle, pop. So um, my name's Sean. You can reach me on Facebook, S-E-A-N. M-U-R-N-I-N. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to doing the show again next month. Bye-bye. Okay, so um, here I am um, during the live stream. If anyone wants to call in, I'm still here. And I guess the only addendum I want to add was I I have been using this uh, Instant Pot Ultra. And since I'm very concerned with my power usage of using electrical appliances, I have this device called a Kill-A-Watt, Kill-A-Watt. And um, so I'm looking at the wattage that something like an Instant Pot Ultra uses, and it it does. uh, On the initial heating stage, it will go over well over 1,000 watts. And then as soon as it, it reaches pressure, it drops down to less than one watt. And um, I'm not sure if this kilowatt um, device is actually measuring it correctly because then when I press the cancel button, and supposedly when there's no heating, no keep warm on the Instapot, it turns into one of those vampire appliances where it's still drawing three watts. So I really don't understand the, the Instant Pot and how it's measuring power, but it does save a lot of uh, power because I I uh, made bone broth yesterday, and it was, um, yeah, I had it on for two hours, and I looked at the kilowatt device, and it said it was only using one watt after it reached um, the pressure that it needed. And, um, yeah, I stored um, all the extra um Chicken broth in the, uh, I guess it's called bone broth or chicken broth. I added a lot of grated carrot and celery, bay leaf, and dried spices. I love using dried spices. So that is my addendum for the pre-recorded segment of the show. And I hope everyone's enjoying the show. If you have more um, uh, things that you want to tell me, please uh, interact with me and uh, help me to improve the show. It could always use some co-producers. So if you want to send in sound clips or show me where to get a sound clip that you'd like me to play on the show, I'll do that. Because some months I come in and I have a lot of things that I just clipped. And perhaps that's the way it'll be for the October show. We'll see. But I'll um, gather more things that I'm interested in, come back and um, share them with you again next month. So I'm going to end the show for real for now. (laughs) Okay, bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.